Living Local, telling the stories that connect us. A United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County podcast. What would happen if we threw our rules out the window and started from scratch? This is the question that Audra O'Connell asked her staff at Walkers Point Youth and Family Center's emergency shelter when she began her tenure as executive director in 2016. Dare to fail differently is the model that Audra lives by. Today on the podcast, she shares how a degree in comparative religion has helped her in surprising ways during her career working with the issue of homelessness, as well as the rest of the advice she has for young professionals. Did you know that each episode of Living Local has a companion blog with links to the resources and organizations our guests talk about? Visit unitedwaygmwc.org podcast to view these blogs and our episode archive. Here's today's interview. So let's just ta- start out talking about your work at Walker's Point. So um, I, be, I became the executive director of Walker's Point in March of last year, and Walker's Point has always had sort of three pillars of the work that we do. So um, prevention, which is primarily through our family empowerment and nurturing program. So we provide, um, in schools throughout the community, we provide gender-based nurturing programming. A lot of it is stuff that, you know, all youth need to have access to. So information about um, healthy relationships, about safe sex, about STDs and STIs, appropriate boundaries, that sort of thing. And then some of it is just dependent on the kids in that class that time. So maybe um, they're really interested in white privilege, or maybe they're really interested in institutional racism or something like that. And so then we try to address that. Um, But then we also do some prevention through our emergency shelter. So we have a 24-7 crisis line. A lot of the calls we get are parents who have an adolescent who are calling us saying, you know, something's going on. They're they're out of control. I don't know how to handle them. I'm going to have to kick them out if they're not going to listen, that sort of thing. Um, And so we have licensed therapists that will meet with the family and with the youth and with both of them together to try to de-escalate those crises and make sure that they can stay in the home. Um, Or sometimes we get calls from youth that are struggling Either they are considering leaving their home or they have left their home um, and calling us to try to gain serve access to services. Um, and then we, so then we do provide the crisis services through our emergency shelter, which is for 11 to 17 year olds. Um, we're the only shelter in Milwaukee County that will take 11 to 17 year olds and their child if they're like a parenting teenager. And how long can people stay in your shelter? So because of the way that the state of Wisconsin licenses um, unaccompanied youth shelters, they can only stay up to 14 days, which is a lot more challenging than when you get into adult shelters where they could, in theory, stay up to 90 days. Yeah, because what do they, what do you do There's not a ton that you can do. I mean, really, it's primarily about... If they have somewhere that they can go back to, but maybe they need some mediation or maybe they need some connection to resources, um, then we, of course, try to do that first. 
If they don't have anywhere to go, then we're looking at getting the Bureau involved of child welfare and, and seeing what we can do with this youth. Um, and unfortunately, when you start throwing around things like the Bureau, a lot of youth get really scared because that's not, you know, they've heard the horror stories or they've witnessed the horror stories and don't want to be involved in that. And so then you're really problem solving with them about, well, where else could you stay? Is there anywhere else that we can try because we don't want you to stay out on the streets? And we work with Pathfinders quite a bit to see if we can, okay, they stayed two weeks here, but they don't have anywhere to go. Can you take them for two weeks and that sort of thing okay. to try to string together something in order to- Can they come back? Safe. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. How many um, teens can your shelter hold at one time? So uh, we can have eight at a time. Um, and so uh, with Pathfinders Together, we have 16 spots in Milwaukee County for, wow. for unaccompanied Which people. I assume right. does not meet the need. Doesn't, you know, it doesn't meet the need. Um, I think our point in time, which is our annual count of homeless individuals, shows that, you know, on any given night we have roughly 200 youth on the street. So 16 spots nowhere near covers the need. Um, and so, but that's something that... At the same time, I think we're working towards is I don't I don't want to in 10 years be in the shelter business. I want to be in the prevention and diversion, and I want to be in the housing business. So when I first kind of got the idea to bring you on the podcast, I saw you at an event for the Young Nonprofit Professionals Network. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the things that you mentioned, one of the pieces of advice you gave was kind of to, you know, throw the rules out the window or... Piss, don't be afraid to piss people off, which I just loved. Um, and the example you gave was that when you started at Walker's Point, you came in and there were these rules or stipulations for um, who was eligible to come into the shelter. And you said, well, what if we threw those out? And so that was something that I faced last March. I, I came in and I noticed that we had these program expectations for youth. Now, you remember, we're talking to 11 to 17-year-olds primarily with significant amounts of trauma, coming from all sorts of backgrounds. And and so we had this, you know, multiple page, don't do this, don't do this, can't do this, you're not allowed to do this, um, down to things that were just really, in my mind, stupid. Like, you can't wear a baseball cap in the house. Well, why? Like, it just, I yeah. wear a baseball hat in my house. And so we started having these conversations about... <clears throat> What are we trying to do here? Are we trying to police youth and tell them how they should act, how they should think, how they should be, who they should be? Or are we trying to provide a safe, respectable place for them to deal with whatever crisis they're dealing with? So are we are we um, being respectful in the way that we treat them? And and, you know, because I am a mom with three kids, I look at everything as what would I want my kids to have to deal with if they were in this situation? And so we had a conversation about, what if we just get rid of them? What would it look like? Would it just be complete chaos? Would everyone be, you know, jumping off the rafters and that sort of thing? And so then I asked them to do it. Like, let's just do it. I'm not saying we're doing it forever. Let's do it for a week and see what happens. So we did it for a week and then we had a meeting and we talked um, for our, our weekly meeting and, hey, it's okay. Well, all right, well, let's do it again for another week. Now we're on six months in 
and and uh, we have served higher acuity youth than we've ever served. We've served more youth than we've served in the last 15 years. Um, and I feel like it's truly a place where youth feel respected and feel empowered. And while there are so many things in their lives that they can't control, they have a place where they feel like they can have some say in who they are and what they do and, and how they respond to things. And I, and I just think it's a very respectful way in order, in order to serve them. Um, that's not to say that we don't, we don't have rules in place, but we've changed them. So now they're expectations. And we also expect that sometimes they're not going to work out for everyone. And that's okay, because each kid is different, and each story is different, and each circumstance is different. But we start it now with, here's what you can expect from Walker's Point. This is what we are willing to do. And so now we're going to talk about what we would like to expect from you, and here's why. And a lot of times just giving them context makes so much more sense. So, you know, you can't not have shoes on on the first floor. And that's because the state of Wisconsin says that you can't. And because they're worried about your safety because right. you could trip over something. It's or, not just an arbitrary right, it's rule. Not, it's yeah. not just some vague, we don't know why we started this rule, yeah. but we did. So. Once we've applied some context and we've really shared with them, now here's what you can expect from us. Um, it's really just changed the entire conversation. So Wow. Yeah. So when I first heard you speak, you were kind of giving some advice to young professionals, specifically working in the nonprofit world. Now, you've had a, a great career, but in that presentation, you mentioned that your background was not necessarily in social services. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your background sure. and then how you kind of came to to be where you are today? Yeah, so I graduated from UWM uh, with a degree in comparative religion. Um, but I always knew that whatever I did, I did not want to sit in an office. I did not want to fill out mindless paperwork. Um, I wanted to do something. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to feel like when I went home at the end of the day, I, I did something. I helped someone. Um, and so I had, I had done some missionary work while I was a student, and I really enjoyed it, um, but I didn't enjoy the religious aspects of it. I enjoyed the serving people. And so I started to look at work in the nonprofit sector in Milwaukee, and I was really fortunate the guest house, which is a, a men's homeless shelter, was hiring. And so I went and interviewed, and for some reason they, they wanted to interview me. And um, the gentleman there asked me, would you rather be apathetic or angry? And before he could finish the sentence, I immediately shot out, well, I'd rather be angry. And he asked me why, and, and I said, because at least then I have passion for something. I care about something. And so he'll tell you that that's why he hired me, and so he did. And so I worked in their permanent housing programs, housing uh, people that were chronically homeless with significant mental health and substance abuse backgrounds. Um, and I did that for five years, uh, working my way up through that program and um, becoming the lead there and, and doing some grant writing and that sort of thing. And then I was sort of given the opportunity of the lifetime, which is uh, through United Way, uh, we had as a local um, 
continuum of care started looking at for years, how can we streamline the process for people to get into emergency shelter? What makes the most sense? We have this finite resource and we knew that it, the need out, um, outweighed the amount of shelter space that we had. So how do we do this? What makes sense? And so for several years, um, United Way and the City of Milwaukee and the Continuum of Care and all the homeless providers got together and started talking about what would this look like. And so then I was presented with this amazing opportunity of go make it, go do it. Wow. We knew it was going to be held at impact, um, and it made the most sense. And so I worked at impact. I created that system. It was truly a life-changing experience. Um, it was looking at homelessness in a much more systematic way. Um, it was looking at getting all of these wonderful organizations that do this amazing work and getting us all to the same table with the same requirements, with the same eligibility, serving the same people, and what it would look like, and how could we truly end homelessness and not just put a Band-Aid uh, on, on an open wound. So after two years, I again was given this amazing opportunity to come to Walker's Point, and so I did that last March. Um, so everyone asks me, like, your degree in comparative religion, like, seriously, what do you do with that? <laughs> And, and I'll tell you, I've done some really cool things with it because my degree in comparative religion um, had me look at the culture, the language, the history, everything surrounding different populations, right? And so through that, I have this really amazing experience that I can, I can see why why people do the things they do and why people act a certain way and you know I think one of one of the best examples I can show is when I was a housing case manager I had a staff member come to me just very upset because um, there was a gentleman in our housing program who didn't have food wasn't eligible for food stamps and so we would give him a $50 pick and save card every month and in their mind, he was blowing it on all these really expensive items. And then he wasn't having it. He didn't have enough food at the end of the month. And so I go to this gentleman's house. He, he, off, he invites me in. And I'm like, hey, show me what you like to cook and that sort of thing. And so he, he's showing me what he likes to cook. And all of a sudden, I realized within an instant, this gentleman was Muslim and had very strict dietary requirements that cost a little bit more than what the average individual that we served mm -hmm. cost as far in terms of their food their food costs. So started talking to this this man and we actually were able to use 211 to find a food pantry that we were able to contact oh, that specifically served a Muslim population and so it had all the appropriate food and that sort of thing. And so it was just like one of those moments where it's like, if I didn't have that degree, I would have never known. Yeah, you wouldn't. And have I would put have been really together. upset with this guy because, like, why are you wasting this money when what he was trying to do was just be very respectful for his own culture and his own religion, which is something I think we all want to be able to do in our in our household. So, so while it's 
you know, while I'm not a social worker, I get to, I have this great ability to see all of these, all of these really amazing backgrounds and cultures and, um, and get to serve them respectfully. What is kind of one piece of advice you'd, you'd give to those young nonprofit professionals? It's cliche, but I say it to everyone, um, and that's that you need to dare to fail differently. So I do not have a job because we've solved homelessness in Milwaukee. Um, the baby boomers didn't solve it. Generation X didn't solve it. Now we're at the millennials. And so my response is, is look at everything and see, see what you think that you can change and, and look, at, you know, look at your rules and see why do we have these rules? Where did they come from? And just dare to change things up because like we haven't ended homelessness, so you're not gonna do anything that's gonna cause any irreparable damage, right? Like you have this wonderful opportunity to go in like guns a-blazing and just do it and try new things and what's the worst that can truly happen? We already have you know, up to 200 kids sleeping on the streets of Milwaukee every night. So if me throwing these rules out means that an additional five kids can come into shelter, in my mind, that's a success. And that's not something that we would have thought of 10 years ago. We can't, we can't make it worse, so all we can do is make it better. That's so, great advice. Yeah. Well, Audra O'Connell, thank you so much. Thank you. Living Local is produced by myself, Katie Kuhn, Melissa Hannon, John Waldbauer, and Brian McCaig. A special thank you to Ethan and Maeve McCaig for providing the music and voice talent for our introduction.